0: This is Because I Said So, Parenting Advice, with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Rosemond. Syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved, from American Family Radio, here's your host, John Rosemond. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're a first-time listener, the show is called Because I Said So. It's all about the raising of children, something we call parenting today. And I'm your host, John Roseman. I'm a family psychologist. I'm an author. I've written about uh, 15 books on children and other family issues, which you can find listed and described on my website at johnrosemond.com. My nationally syndicated newspaper column appears weekly in about 250 newspapers around the country. If it's not in your local newspaper, you can read it online at, again, my website, John Rosemond. Let me spell that for you, j-o-h-n-r-o-s-e-m-o-n-d.com, where you can also find a reasonably up-to-date schedule of upcoming speaking events. Um, This program is going to air on the 27th of May in the year of our Lord, 2017. And a week later, for example, this is just a for example, uh, this is not open to the public, but I'm doing a three-day retreat for the United States Army at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, And uh, that ought to be fun. And then I'm doing another event for the Army in early July and another event for the Army in early September. And in August, my speaking schedule more or less kicks into high gear with some uh, presentations at schools and churches and so on and so forth. By September, I'll be on the road almost full time. And I love it. It is a mission to me, it is a ministry to me, and it is a passion to me. By the way, don't let the tag family psychologist fool you. I was trained in psychology in college and graduate school. I've been a psychologist since 1976, licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board since 1979, but... In the intervening years, I have fallen out of love with psychology, which was really a passion to me to begin with. I mean, I was very good at it. I was a straight-A student in graduate school. My professors have told me uh, even more recently that I was the best student they ever had, have ever had. But then I became a Christian, and I began to realize that Psychology is a worldview, it's an ideology. it is not a science. it pretends to science, but it is actually a point of view concerning human nature. That's what psychology is constituted of a point of view concerning human nature and I began to realize the more I read God's Word that the point of view concerning human nature contained in psychological theory, humanistic theory, behavior modification theory, Freudian theory, primarily those three theoretical psychological subsystems, stands in complete 180-degree opposition to the point of view concerning human nature presented in the truth of God's Word, Scripture. And I realized I had a choice to make. Was I going to continue to adhere to my uh, psychological point of view, the the point of view that had been trained into me in graduate school, or was I going to shift over and begin understanding human beings from the perspective of God's Word? And guess what? I made the proper choice, and so today I do not believe in psychology, and my colleagues know this, and I am regarded as an outlier in my field. I am regarded as a troublemaker in my field. It is to my credit, folks. It is to my credit. My licensing board has tried to take away my license twice. Now, usually in the field of psychology, if a licensing board comes after a psychologist's license, it is because said psychologist has had what is termed euphemistically an inappropriate relationship with a client. I'll let your imagination run wild on that. That is not why my psychology board came after my license on two occasions. They have come after my license on two occasions because they don't like what I say. And I have had to hire big-time, expensive lawyers to point out to them, persuade them that uh, to the fact that I enjoy freedom of speech, because I'm an American citizen, what they were actually trying to tell me was that I had given up, abdicated my rights to free speech concerning anything regarding psychology when I accepted a license to practice psychology. Absurd. But that is how threatened psychology is by points of view that are antithetical to the party line which my point of view now is and has been for quite some time. In the year 2013, the Kentucky Psychology Board, through the Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, sent me a letter telling me that I had to cease and desist publishing my newspaper column in in, uh, Kentucky newspapers because, get this, publishing my newspaper column in Kentucky newspapers, it runs in about four Kentucky newspapers, including the flagship paper in Kentucky, which is the Lexington Herald-Leader, um, and that is the flagship uh, newspaper in Kentucky because that's where the state capitol is located. It's located in Frankfurt, which is basically joined at the hip with Lexington And the psychology board of Kentucky was trying to claim through the attorney general's office that I was practicing psychology in Kentucky without a license. They gave me 30 days to pull my column from Kentucky newspapers or face, get this, fines and imprisonment. That is what they actually threatened me with a wonderful legal group out of Arlington, Virginia, called the Institute for Justice. The Institute for Justice takes on, among other sorts of cases, freedom of speech cases when the government is trying to suppress freedom of speech. And we filed suit against the Kentucky Psychology Board in federal court in Frankfort, Kentucky. And two years later, a federal judge, knocked the Kentucky Psychology Board and the Attorney General for a loop. Praise God for judges who interpret the Constitution correctly. The judge in question basically reprimanded the Psychology Board of Kentucky, telling them, in effect, they had their nerve uh, trying to suppress my free speech rights. Find them considerably, by the way. So, what I want to talk about today are the understandings that should and used to, and still do in exceptional cases, govern the parent child relationship. These fundamental understandings, I say they used to govern the parent child relationship rather ubiquitously. When I was growing up, for example, these were the understandings. When my parents were growing up, these were the understandings. When their parents were growing up, these were the understandings. And so on, down the generational ladder, back to Abraham and Sarah, the founders of Western civilization, do you know that there's no evidence whatsoever that the understandings that governed the raising of children in Western civilization Changed in over two, no, three thousand years, and then along came psychology in the nineteen sixties, and psychologists began presenting themselves, with the help of the media, to the American public as the go-to people when it came to the raising of kids, and every ever since then, the raising of children in America has gone. Now, this is a biblical word, folks. It's found in the Bible. So don't shut your radio off when I say it. Since we began listening to people like me, people with impressive credentials in psychology, tell us how to raise children in America, the raising of children in this country has gone to, here's the word, it's biblical, it's gone to hell in a handbasket. That was one of my mother's favorite sayings, and I love it. When the understandings, which I'll get into after the break, when these understandings were adhered to, the mental health of children was 10 times better than it is today. That is referring to the 1950s, when again, the mental health of children statistically, and this has been verified numerous times, was 10 times better than the mental health of children today. And get this, psychologists, when they were marketing this new psychological theory-based parenting paradigm to America, actually claimed that the old paradigm, the traditional, biblically-informed, biblically-based paradigm that had been adhered to in Western civilization for, again, over 3,000 years, was psychologically damaging to children. Can you imagine that? And then uh, that a set of understandings based on God's word is damaging to children. And here's the unfortunate thing. Even in the Christian community, most parents, most pastors bought into this, and the Christian community jumped on this bandwagon as energetically, fervently, enthusiastically as did the secular atheist community. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, in the Christian community, we are having as many problems raising kids with our children as uh, your atheist neighbor down the street. So after the break, which is coming right up, we'll get into these understandings and uh, fathom them thoroughly. So stay with us. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, or you're a full uh, first-time listener, whatever, uh, <laughs> the show is called "Because I Said So," and it's called "Because I Said So" for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, it's it's a pun, uh, if you will. Um, uh, the 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 title refers to the fact that I, John Rosemond, am saying so. Um, but um, more uh, importantly the title also reflects a traditional set of understandings concerning the rearing of children, which I happen to espouse. Uh, It is, in fact, my ministry and my mission to go around the country and recruit people who will sign on to a retro-parenting revolution, which desperately needs to take place in this country. And by the way, the only place within which this revolution of which I refer, to which I refer, can possibly take place is in the Christian community. Because the revolution, the parenting revolution that I am talking about is a parenting revolution that restores God's Word as the instruction book when it comes to the raising of kids. That ain't going to happen in the secular world, folks, for obvious reasons. So, a proper relationship between parent and child involves a finite set of fundamental understandings. Now, these understandings are based on the needs of children and also the needs of culture because the purpose of raising a child is to produce a good citizen, someone who will grow up and make America a better place a person who will contribute functionally to culture. So the understanding's in question. First, children require unconditional love. Now that word is bandied, uh, phrase is bandied about a lot, but why does the love need to be unconditional? See, psychologists can't answer that because psychology is the most atheist profession on the planet. Children require unconditional love. Why does it have to be unconditional? Because children are sinners. Children do bad things. All children, just like you do bad things and I do bad things and you think bad thoughts and I think bad thoughts, children do bad things and think bad thoughts. They are sinners. If parental love was conditioned On proper behavior, the universe would be a cold and dry place, ladies and gentlemen. So understanding number one, I love you more than you will be able to conceive until you have children of your own. That's understanding number one in the parent-child relationship. And of course, that's an understanding that's communicated from parent to child, I love you more than you will be able to conceive until you have children of your own. And folks, believe me, it it doesn't matter how often you say to your child, I love you. Your child cannot wrap his head around how much you love him. He cannot wrap his head around what that statement, I love you, Actually means, it actually means that you would be willing to make the ultimate sacrifice in order to preserve your child's life. Children, they just can't grasp that. It's way, way above their heads. Why is it way above their heads? Because, and I don't mean this in any kind of mean spirited way, but a child is not willing to make the ultimate sacrifice in order to preserve his parents' life. And therefore, he cannot wrap his head around the idea that someone is willing to die for his sake. So let's go to understanding number two. And they sort of build on one another, as will become obvious. Understanding number two from parent to child is, my love for you is more, much more, than simply an abstract quality. It's a trust. It's a promise that I will always do all that I can to provide for and protect you under any and all circumstances. In a crisis, the last seat in the proverbial lifeboat is yours, child of mine, not mine. Now, folks, I said children can't really wrap their heads around this stuff. The, the, to a child, these understandings are at first intuitive. They, they understand, but they can't express what they understand. And they won't be able to really and truly understand and express the understandings until they have children of their own. Okay, second, children require not just unconditional love, but they require unequivocal authority. They cannot learn and exercise self-discipline without having been disciplined properly by adults who love them unconditionally. So, like I said, we're building one understanding on top of the previous understanding. So, the first understanding is children require unconditional love. And the second is children require unequivocal authority. They cannot learn and exercise self-discipline without having been disciplined properly by adults who love them unconditionally. Now, here's what's important to understand that in the 1960s, the most tumultuous, deconstructive decade of the last century, obedience became a bad word But the plain truth is that the most obedient children are also the happiest kids. You've seen that. You've seen it. You don't know that you've seen it, but I'm going to help you understand what you've seen. You've never seen a disobedient child who acted like he was a truly happy camper. Disobedience and unhappiness go together. In fact, it sort of says that in Scripture. It sort of says that disobedience to the Lord is not in your own best interest. And that is the case with children as regards parental authority. The happiest children are also the most obedient kids. The research is very clear on that and common sense confirms it. Disobedient children are not happy campers. Therefore, the primary beneficiary of a child's obedience Is the child. Yes, there are conveniences that come to parents, accrue to parents as a consequence of having obedient children. The family atmosphere is more relaxed, Uh, people have a better sense of humor, and so on and so forth. There's less parental stress. But the final, ultimate beneficiary of obedience on the part of the child is the child. That's why parents need to clearly and calmly communicate understanding number three to children. Understanding number three is from parent to child, I tell you what to do and what not to do. You will do what I say, and for no reason other than I say it. Because of understandings one and two, that is the only reason you need I am not required to explain myself, my decisions, my boundaries, my expectations to you. Contrary to psychological mumbo-jumbo folks, children do not need reasons. They need adults they can count on. Let me say that last one again. I tell you what to do and what not to do. You will do what I say, and for no reason other than I say it. Because of understandings one and two, one is children need unconditional love. Number two, children need unequivocal authority. That is the only reason you need. I am not required to explain myself to you, but I will at times, but I do not expect you to agree when I explain myself to you. If you don't like my decision, you won't like my explanation. And if you don't like my explanation, I'm not going to try and persuade you to like it. I'm not going to try and persuade you to understand it. I'm not going to try and persuade you to accept it. If you do not like my explanation, which I will only give occasionally in the first place, so be it. End of discussion. Understanding number four, it does not matter to me whether you like, and this is right off of what I just said, it does not matter to me whether you like or dislike the decisions I make on your behalf. Your emotional reactions to my decisions are completely irrelevant to me why because I have read Proverbs 22:15 where I am told that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child your emotional reactions to my decisions are completely irrelevant to me under those circumstances I refuse to feel your pain That's why a parent in the 1950s, uh, that's what a parent in the 1950s and before meant when she told her child that he was going to have to stew in his own juices when he was unhappy with something she had decided she was not going to stew with him. Children, especially children who grow up in safe, secure environments, do not know what they need. They only know what they want. Children whose parents give them most of what they want are in grave danger of growing up to be malcontents. Authentic contentment is the province of people who have little more than what they need and want for very little. Those four understandings make for a relaxed, stress-free, relaxed, stress-free, creative and highly enjoyable parent-child relationship which I pray for you all. Thanks for joining the show. American Family Radio every Saturday, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, etc. You can do the math from there. God bless you all. God bless your families. Be well and happy. Bye-bye.